suicidal thoughts were coming back up to the point where I was researching again how to end my life. Um, so I committed myself, my wife and I signed the papers, uh, but here, here's the point I want to make. In, in the unit, and here's the kicker too, my brother before he died was in that same unit. Welcome to the Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health. From depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, I want to welcome Jeff Emerson to the show. Jeff, thank you for joining me. Ah, thank you for having me, Al. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'd love to start by just uh, having you share something about yourself, um, maybe something uh, on the personal side that isn't even related uh, to the work you're doing or the depression. Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, well, um, as far as general stuff that comes to mind, I'm... Um, I'm big into, we're actually, we're coming up to uh, autumn and winter here where I live. So I'm getting back into uh, into ice skating of all things. I used to be a, a pretty high level hockey player. Um, so now in my early 40s, I find to, um, I recently lost 40 pounds actually. So to keep my wife's cooking off wow. my belly, uh, I, I do that. So that's what came to mind. Okay. Oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, and you are from Canada, right? That's right. So, exactly. of course, the hockey's exactly. in your blood, right? And I'm from Minnesota, the Twin Cities, so it's yeah. in my blood as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and what a great way to stay in shape, too, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, mentally and physically, that's for sure. Speaking of which, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, I know you have experience uh, in – uh, you just recently you wrote a book on ADHD, and I know you do a lot of advocacy mm -hmm. work um, around mental health, depression, anxiety. Am I getting that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm suicide prevention as well. Uh, okay. all, all this stuff is sort of intertwined, but yeah, I'm I'm basically at the beginning of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm. And, I'm, and yeah. you have experienced um, all of those pieces within your life. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. One often leads to the other, at least in my experience, I found. So they can be a bit of a vicious circle, um, obviously case by case, right? But yeah, oh, yeah. And is it something that started early on in your life or is that it was it later in life? Tell uh, us about tell us about the beginning yeah. of your uh, challenges with mental health. It really well officially um, officially formally, I guess I'll say it began later. My brother uh, stepbrother technically, but we're very we were very close. He committed suicide in 2008. Uh, so after a prior attempt. So that was my actually my first real as far as I can think formally um, experience with mental health um, again in a formal like, you know, in my mind thinking, OK, there's this. Here's this whole mental health thing right. before that. It, 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 yeah. Before that, it wasn't a, a formal thing I thought about, if that makes any sense. Okay. Uh, it was just day to day emotions and, and regular life and overcoming things or dealing with stuff. So going, 
going through school uh, as a youngster, uh, you didn't have any kind of challenges with ADHD at that point or, or depression, anxiety? Uh, I, you know what I did, but they weren't recognized. Um, and I have to say really quickly, my diagnosis, though I live with symptoms, definitely. Uh, there are, and I'm, this is one of the, the tricky areas because, um, and it's a big part of the book. Uh, I was actually, we, let me, let me word it this way. We found reasons other than ADHD itself, like other underlying causes for the symptoms. Uh, though I do present with textbook symptoms. Um, and that's a, that's a whole separate, uh, discussion perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, so to go back when I was young, I had issues with trauma at home, uh, violence in the home, uh, major self-esteem issues. And a lot of that stuff can also coexist or, you know, issues at home when we're young, as we know, can really manifest as things like depression, uh, if they're not dealt with and, you know, people don't dig deeper and, and, and anxiety, all that stuff sort of intertwines sometimes. Right. I'm sure a lot of people listening and yourself will know it doesn't usually anxiety doesn't exist without depression to some degree or vice versa, you know, again, case by case. But it's it's it, it makes sense that one leads to the other often, or at least for me, it was racing anxiety, racing thoughts mm-hmm. that would spiral down that rabbit hole into depression. Right. Um, but. But it didn't get a hold of me, Al, until, um, again, I was 35 when I attempted suicide. Uh, and that's when my subsequent diagnosis of ADHD came up uh, okay. after. Yeah. So I'll stop there. But, well, well, it's yeah. interesting, though. You mm-hmm. mentioned uh, a household when you were young that involved mm-hmm. trauma. Was that trauma that you were witnessing or trauma towards you? Uh, both, uh, my sister, uh, it, my, my mom was the one who, uh, had a, there was emotional instability, uh, is the best way I can put it. Not knowing like she didn't have a, any sort of diagnosis or anything. Uh, but there was definite, she'd also had trauma when she was young, as I now know, and, and where at least issues at home and, um, you know, there was violence there as well at times and other non-physical types of trauma and the, the family dynamic, all that stuff. There was a, you know, she was a, a bit of a rebellious person and, and all that. But, um, yeah, like when I was, when my sister and I were young, I remember her chasing my sister and beating the heck out of her. And, uh, you know, I, I got chased. I mean, there were, there, there were things like, you know, having, having the belt, you know, getting the belt, that sort of thing, right. old school stuff. But I remember even being chased with a baseball bat, uh, um, you know, witnessing my sister being punched and kicked and, and my mom's, uh, just, I had rage, sheer rage toward my mom, not to get too graphic, right. but it, it, it was, uh, yeah, major issues, which later on, and again, I know we only have so much time, but trauma, oh man, the number it can do on people, um, all, all types of trauma, right? Um, later on, I had major issues in my own life that would manifest, let's say, as depression moments or anxiety or anger issues. But the real root cause, <clears throat> excuse me, for me anyway, wasn't, you know, like a, as far as I knew, some chemical imbalance or something else. It, it was actually rooted when I looked back. It made sense when I put the pieces together. Um, for me, again, just in my case, it, it was failing grade four when my parents split up because of a lot of that stuff going on and 
and witnessing again, um, you know, a new boyfriend coming in and my, my biological, well, not my biological dad, but my adopted dad who I grew up with from, from an early age. That's a whole other thing. And I'm getting a little off track, but those two, those two getting in fights and, you know, just drama, drama, drama stuff. And that really has a major impact, you know, trying to, um, you know, have my own relationships as I got older and a bunch of them were unhealthy with, with partners who were ironically, what do they say? Sometimes you, you know, um, if you grow up in a, in a home that's, you know, that has abuse or other things, sometimes you attract partners Hmm. that, uh, for, you know, psychological reasons. So yeah, I went through all that and and all that stuff. So yeah, (laughs) it was a fair, fair bit of a mess. Ah, that sounds like a lot to grow up with. Well, I feel for anybody, you know, I mean, we've all got different stories and reasons and, you know, uh, and I realize that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think trauma, if I can throw it out quick, it's one of the things I don't know in the U S but I know in Canada anyway, and, um, that we don't remotely dig deep enough. Let's say we're trying to have a child or even an adult diagnosed or assessed. I should say, first of all, assessed thoroughly, slowly, um, you know, meds if needed, you know, if someone's moderate to severe and needs desperate help, absolutely medication, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, being in a facility like I was briefly, whatever the case. Um, but I, I think we need to really dig deeper with trauma and traumatic experiences, uh, before we rush to medicate and we rush to make a quick, you know, knee jerk diagnosis. Um, and that, that, Frankly, in a lot of my work, that infuriates me because I've found out so much about it over the last roughly half decade of researching that a lot of things, you know, um, and again, you'll have to stop me because I could go on a rant uh, about how we we sometimes buy into diagnoses and sort of uh, self-fulfill or feel like less about ourselves or have the stigma and all the other stuff. And I, um, yeah, I'll stop there, but it's. You know, I, I believe in people so much more. I just wish that that kids and adults and people in general across North America could could have more thorough help, uh, holistic stuff as well. You know, so anyway. Yeah. Oh, I definitely think the uh, medical care we get could be um, much improved, particularly around mental illnesses and such. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever dig deep with any kind of counseling or anything? Because I would imagine seeing your your sister get beat up by your mom while, you know, being chased with someone with a bat. Like, I can't imagine how traumatic that could be and how that could have impacted you and, and had an impact on what was eventually diagnosed incorrectly as ADHD or your diet, your uh, depression or anxiety. Yeah, it, uh, I did. I, I, fortunately I'm the type who, um, I've just, I love digging deeper and getting into stuff and it's not always a lovely thing to say the least. Right. But I just, I, I have that need to, to dig deeper. I've just always had that, like trying to, you know, the self exploration or existential, whatever, whatever you call it, trying to figure things out. Uh, so I, yeah, I've been to lots of therapists for sure. Um, from compassion focus to, other types that I don't even, you know, just general therapy where we didn't have a title for it or a type. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, perfectionism, self-sabotage, uh, you know, the self-esteem, um, so many key, you know, uh, uh, probably with depression. I know a lot of, 
a lot of this stuff is universal, right? I'm sure with people that will identify. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an ongoing journey as it is with all of us. Um, yeah. But it's interesting yeah. because you mentioned really no, nothing about mental health until your brother unfortunately took his life right. in 2008. Right. So is that, were you not hmm. getting any kind of therapy all the way through until 2008? You know what? Um, I was the only other. I know it's pretty wild looking back, actually, and it's interesting to hear you say it that I don't mention it till, you know, adulthood. Yeah, but right. um, when I was, ironically, a red flag was I was getting in trouble with the law, uh, mainly stealing, when I was about fourteen, uh, like a cry for help sort of stuff in hindsight. Right. Uh, and yeah, I was an angry young kid, um, but I. I remember when I got caught and was arrested and charged, I remember going through a program, a diversionary program, they called it, I think, through uh, through the oh, cool. the probation system. Yeah. Which, the, yeah, like a county program. We have some similar types of programs right. here. Yeah, same idea, like, you know, mediation, conflict resolution, some of those terms like restorative. I think they call it restorative justice, if I remember from my school days. But, uh, yeah, organizations that would teach like anger management courses um, or, you know, uh, even have you do community service and restitution, they would call it, where, you, you know, there are different ways to pay the victim back if it's something you stole. Right. Um, and actually maybe sit down with them. And, you know, as a kid, right, as a young teen who was clueless yeah. uh, at 14, as a lot of us, we think we know it all right. But, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, there were a couple instances like that, okay. and, you know, looking back. Yeah, but right. other than that, that was it. It was just basically, you know, at about 16, that's where it continues. You know, I got into weightlifting, bodybuilding, and then steroid use, and the rage continued. Right. Uh, well, you so, know, I yeah. was thinking when you mentioned you were an angry kid, like, look at the household you were growing up in. How could you not be an angry kid, right? Um, and I'm also curious, you you made it sound like a lot of your mom's aggression was towards your sister, but it was your brother who ended up dying by suicide. Um, were, was some of her rage directed yeah. towards him as well? I actually have to I have to clarify that out um, to you, which I haven't explained yet. My brother, uh, I actually had two brothers who were stepbrothers. Okay. Um, that's a whole other side. I was adopted at about eight weeks old okay. uh, by my dad. His name's Ken, for reference. It's a bit of a flow chart. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but Ken had two prior sons um, before okay. uh, I was born. Yeah. So they lived with their mom. Their mom. Right. Who I, you know, only met a handful of times, um, but I was close with, so we didn't grow up in the same home, obviously, but, but I was close with them still. We would all visit and get together when I went to see my dad, right. uh, after, after he split up with my mom when I was nine. Okay. Uh, um, so I hope that makes sense there, but yeah. So Ryan, Ryan grew up in his own, like in that, you know, with his mom, right. my dad, my dad's other family, if you will, they uh -huh. had their own set of mental health issues. Uh, as we now know, there was suicide in the bloodline. Like there okay. had been, I think it's his uncle and some other stuff going on too. So it's small world, right? Did you <laughs> but, have any kind of insight into Ryan's mental health struggles before he took his life? You know, uh, that's a tricky one because I, he, he actually, I knew he grew up and it was obvious he actually had what's, what's called, you're probably familiar with scoliosis. 
okay. um, which a curvature of the spine of all things, which obviously isn't mental health. But he suffered in his own way with, you know, like growing up um, as he got older, he was always strong and we'd work out together and stuff. But then it got that scoliosis got really crippling for him. And uh, obviously there's a lot there's a lot more to this story. Yeah. But um, yeah. I saw like he was 33 when he took his own life okay. just for reference. Um, and yeah, definitely into his adult years. He, you know, after high school, I remember him just thinking back. Um, he went to live with his grandmother uh, because his mom wasn't quite stable. Again, I had mentioned there were mental health challenges there. I mean, right. wonderful woman, just, you know, kind as heck, but there were stability issues in some of the boyfriends she had and other things were not healthy at all, to say the least. So it was like, you know, he was struggling as well. Um, but the thing was, and, and I'll finish with this, uh, right before his suicide, he had actually, I found out recently, had two prior attempts. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, one I didn't know about until about a month ago, my dad told me. But, oh, my uh, goodness. And then, yeah, and then so he had one in January of 2008, uh, where there's a bit of a story to that, um, which I won't go into now, but then that following June, like he survived that attempt. He was in the ICU tubes down his throat, the whole thing to pump out the medications he had taken trying to, you know, end his life. But then that, um, that following June, he, by that, by that time he'd been in the mental health unit, he'd been locked in, um, after that original attempt He'd been put on some very powerful medications and was essentially like a not a zombie, but he wasn't himself. Right. But, but you know what? And, and I don't remember the exact diagnoses he was given, but I, re, I, I remember the gist of them, but I don't want to say them because I don't want to be incorrect officially. Okay. Right? But I, I remember thinking, you know what? I don't remember any of those symptoms being like something like schizoaffective and some other stuff. I don't remember him and not to say it wasn't correct at mm. all. But he didn't present like he kept it hidden well, right. uh, if anything, and that's entirely possible. But yeah, so. And yeah. what was this like for you to to get the news about his suicide, oh. and and how did that impact you? Uh, that you know what that's something that, and I of course, as anyone who's gone through this would know, you remember the moment, you remember where you were, the exact moment, the the, the finest of detail, but a horrifying. Um, uh, trauma, traumatizing and, and horrific almost doesn't do it justice. Uh, it's still, you know, stuck with me. And I admit that it, I actually, you know, it, it, um, it played, I, th I think a more significant role in my own, it, though there was other stuff going on for me, several other things that drove me to my attempt. I, I know in the back of my head or in my heart of hearts that, that his demise played a, played a big role in my spiral downward. Mm. Um, and I, and I'll finish with this. I think I read along the way after he had uh, taken his life that once one sibling does it, I believe the odds go up roughly eight times that someone else, another sibling or someone else in the family, uh, the, the risk goes up that high. And I, I would have to fact check that, you know, the, I'd have to double check the stats. Yeah. But I don't it, know the statistics, but I've definitely heard the, the same thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the chances go up if it's in the family like that. 
Um, so you did you take a, a pretty dark, deep dive in 2008 after his suicide then? You know what? It, uh, I, I, I want to say no. Um, it, it obviously was horrifying, and I went through shock and, and uh, horror of it. Yes, of course. A, a lot of which is um, normal, right? You get the, yeah. the news of a, a suicide by a, a rel- from a relative, and certainly you're going to go through those emotions. And I think um, it differs, though, right? The grieving, the incredible sadness that you can have definitely is different, I think, and normal compared to what may be a, a really deep, dark depression. Right. Absolutely. And, and I, I have to say, too, that I have um, I know of people very close to me who have, quote unquote, chronic depression or uh, I'm not sure if it's called unipolar depression or what the case. But, yeah, chronic depression. Um, so, yeah, two obviously two very different things, of course, as as you're alluding to. Um, but, yeah, it for me, again, I, I, I can't put my finger on you know, how much, like there, there wasn't a moment right after that where I suddenly had to dive. Mine didn't come until, uh, a couple other events happened in my life and really 2011, um, the late summer of 2011 was when my attempt happened. So it took a while and other things to happen. So it, so yeah, it wasn't an immediate thing. Uh Um, I think you're right though. I mean, you mentioned that it, it very likely had an impact and, and was a part of the reason. I mean, that's something that I'm sure just in the three years that passed, you're not completely over. And I don't know if you ever get over something like that. Oh yeah. No. And, and as I speak online and do my, obviously I'm speaking and, you know, I talk about different stuff and empowerment and positive things as well, growth mindset and other stuff. But I also, uh, will certainly always have a, you know, a, a voice for, um, you know, there'll always be mental health as part of my message. Right. right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I guess the gist is that as I'm building my audience, like you are and, and going on and on, I'm on my mission now and on my way, his, he's a, he's a focal point really in the back of my mind. You know, I often, I'll just sit here and even in a blog post or something, I'll say, you know, or think to myself, you know, Ryan, you didn't die in vain. Yeah. Or something like that, which sounds, I don't really, you know, idealistic and all that, but it's true. You know, when I think back and, and my eyes weren't open, uh, and that's a whole other thing, right? So many people maybe don't have empathy toward mental health or aren't willing to speak openly or, or just don't care until they're, you know what, they're rattled by it. They're, right. they're shaken, you know, as, as you would know. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, you said 2011, a couple mm. other things were going on. What so it it sounded kind of like you could actually put your finger on a few things that led you down the path of depression. What what types of things were going on in your life? Yeah, you know what, and and this is where I circle back in hindsight to those symptoms that could be easily uh, diagnosed as ADHD. Um, and and of course, I support everyone across the board. I have to say, regardless of what their diagnosis is, you know, because ultimately, before all this. I, I was way back in the early 2000s wanting to be a motivational speaker or as corny as that sounds <laughs> sometimes to some people. But yeah, well, um, I think that's great. You know, what a fit for what you're doing now, right? Well, yeah, and it's taken on a whole new thing. But that's, yeah, empowering others and especially now I'm telling you in the next uh, – the way the way things are going, people are going to need that and, and people hunger for 
some sort of inspiration, some sort of, and, and obviously in different ways, we're not all the same. So not a cookie cutter approach, but people hunger, I find now for, you know, good stories or for people that have been there, but can, you know, they're proof that there's light at the end of the tunnel or, you know what I mean? That there's hope. Exactly. Uh, Right. And, you know, that that's exactly um, one of the main goals of the podcast, this depression Mm. files. You know, one is I really want to educate people on just how deep and dark and debilitating depression Mm. can be. So to educate people that it's not just being sad. In fact, a lot of times it isn't even a sadness. It's almost more of a numbness. And I want also to give hope, right? People like you who have been there and then now you're doing such amazing stuff. And then thirdly, and I know this is part of your goal too, is just to eliminate the and get work towards chipping away at the stigma. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we share our stories, the more people open up, the, the easier it will get to continually talk about it, to seek help and, and to do away with the stigma and the discrimination that it leads to. Beautifully said, Al. Yeah, and it's and it's there's a there's a term I use all the time, which is brick by brick, uh, because I, I know I'm not alone in feeling that um, I communicated my own way as we all do, right? I'm sort of intense sometimes in, in videos, and you know, it's that's just how I'm wired. But it's like you know, brick by brick, we're gonna smash through. And you know, like for instance, even though I talk in the book because it was the timing of the the subject matter of ADHD, let's say uh, uh, we'll go down this path for a quick sec. I had to really we put ADHD under a microscope, yeah. and I wanted I wanted to ed- educate, and I'll have a point to this real quick that ties in. But I wanted to educate those who may not know, like I didn't, I had I wasn't educated at all in ADHD when I was diagnosed. I thought, wow, what a weight lifted, wow. You know, put me on the meds. Let's try. And then I realize, okay, wait. You know, there's a lot more to this. I'm trying the medications, um, but that's just one tool. Plus, medications aren't doing much for me at all. Um, there's got to be more to this. You know, and, and it took a lot of courage. That's again another book or another subject, another show. The courage. Um, you know, I was on nine medications over three years. Wow. Uh, and had a mini stroke about two years ago. Oh not my goodness! Be, not because of the meds. Uh, okay. That was another thing I suspect. But um, f- yeah, uh, fortunately, all tests came back negative, and everything's good. But but yeah, just a whole like so. I have an insight, and I even did security in mental health units in 2014. Wow! Uh, in both adult, yeah, there's a whole. You know, it's like you couldn't write a story. Yeah. <laughs> like one year after I'm, I committed myself, I, w- I was doing security in mental health units. Wow. <laughs> Across the country where they didn't know I'd been committed a year earlier. Right, you know, right. Albeit voluntarily. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, um, but there are, to get back to your point, there are, uh, I said it would tie it in, there are events. Uh, at, actually, at 33, I, I tried to go back to university and just bombed out of it and got bored. And, and uh, we found out later it's due to vision issues. Okay. Uh, and, and other things that were going on. And this is all explained in the book. So I know there's a lot I'm throwing out there. Yeah. Um, cutting edge ophthalmology and vision therapy. A lot of kids, a lot of people are misdiagnosed because vision issues are the actual root cause. But um, so uh, as I was saying, as much as I dig deeper into ADHD, it's only to arm people with knowledge that, you know what, because we rush, it's nearly 15% of boys now upwards of that in the U S that are labeled with this. Right. Uh, and people buy into it so quick and you know what, they don't know 
you know, what if it's nutrition? What if it's other stuff, exercise? Uh, There's almost a hundred other things from other learning disabilities, they call them, or differences to to seizure disorders, to concussions that are easily misdiagnosed. Uh, These symptoms, you know, to many other things. But anyway. um, That's fascinating. And that's, uh, for me, as an administrator in a public school system, that's really important for me to keep in mind because we do see a lot of kids diagnosed and sometimes we just jump to that assumption. Um, and I think we're much better well, nowadays than, than just jumping to that assumption. But you bring up mm-hmm. so many valid points about really digging deep and, and figuring out you know just what is going on. And a lot of times kids go through some pretty intense assessments and I'm putting mm-hmm. we as educators a lot of times and parents are putting a lot of trust in those assessments. So I certainly hope those are are uh, playing out to be true. But uh, you never know what's really going on deep down. Um, so, you know, I want to jump back, if you don't mind, to 2011. Sure. So you mentioned, yes. you know, college. I could imagine that must have been frustrating at the time. Um, and again, you talked about the negative thoughts. I'm guessing the negative thoughts started coming in, like I can't do this college thing and so forth. Oh, totally. It was the whole, and you can imagine I was 33. I wasn't, you know, 19 or whatever. Right. (laughs) I wasn't young or yeah. So it was, and again, you know, it's not an easy thing to explain, but I, but I'll, I'll do my best to encapsulate. Um, yeah, I was, I was with, uh, I had met the girl who is now my wife, Amy, uh, back in late 2008. Um, and I went to, uh, in Canada here, we have what are called, it's more like a technical college. And I was still trying to find myself. You know, I had had, I also had a criminal record when I was younger in my very, very early 20s. And that's its own story as well. Yeah, and okay. that's, none of that's off limits. But I mean, that, that goes back again to the anger at home and yeah. issues with issues with women. Right. Uh, which thank God my, uh, yeah, my grandmother raised me from about the age of 14 on and, and at least did damage control for the early years with my mom. But, uh, and, uh, so I partly dedicate my, you know, my book to my grandmother too, who knew about it, but it wasn't published and she's passed away since. Okay. Um, but in, you know, one of the angels in my life, I call her, but, um, but yeah, so 2011, getting back to that, yeah, I, I dropped out of university actually, uh, and was, you know, I was, I had a couple good marks, good grades, you know, I was doing a criminology honors program, so pretty general, uh, and, you know, just trying to, I was 33 going on 23 right, mentally, right. Like, what do I want to do? And there's, there's a lot that I, that I can't add right now because again, I don't want to take up all the time. Right. right? So and, you know, and stick with the depression side, but through a lot of identity stuff, I'll call it for anyone out there who knows, you know, trying to figure out what the hell do I do with my life? Um, I've tried a thousand things and flunked at a lot of them. I had one major goal, um, for a long time to prove myself and, and it was to work in the armored car field. Uh, and there's a story to that. There's a whole history, um, when I was young and got in trouble with the law and then was on a mission to prove myself. So, so, so yeah, so fast forward to 2010, I got my gun license and all that stuff. But then unfortunately, yeah, that's eerie timing for the gun license. Uh, fortunately nothing happened there where, um, because if I'd actually had a gun at times, I think I wouldn't be here. So if, you know, if I can be real that way, as far as depression, 
And, uh, and just like you said, um, I'm trying to remember the wording, but it's, it's a numbness. That's what you're saying. It's like yeah. you're numb. Um, or for me, I heard a term, Al, and I don't know if this resonates with yourself or any of your listeners, but it's like anger. They call depression anger turned inward. Oh, right. Yep. I've definitely you know, like, heard that. Is that, does that resonate like fed up, like pissed off? Like I don't want to swear or anything, but yeah, just like, yeah. And like oh. you said, all the self-sabotaging, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. With recruiters and other stuff. And I had a, eventually had a polygraph for that armored car job okay. and, and stuff and burnt bridges. And I, by that time I'd had a suicide attempt. That's the irony. Long story short. Right. And I had to, I had to mention I had an ADHD diagnosis. I'm under a polygraph for God's sake. So, um, and I had to be honest, I mean, in that job, you know, integrity. Yeah. Is everything. So, um, yeah. And then that, after that, the point is after that and not getting that job and again, through waiting so long and the racing thoughts, I used to, I used to bother recruiters at those companies because I had waited so long to clear my record, my criminal record and, and get my gun license and prove, you know, get a pardon. And I did everything, you know, I did whatever it took. I nearly joined the military, even though, People might laugh, Canadian military, but I, as a quick, not to make fun of anyone, and you know I appreciate everyone for their right. service. I'm not trying to make light. Right, Don't right, right. But and thank God I didn't, because I'm not that type. You know, I give credit to the folks who could do that. I would have been horribly traumatized by if I saw you know anything, right. any action or anything. God knows. But um, but anyway, the point is, yeah, like a lot of us, whether it's ADHD or whatever it is, anxiety, depression. I don't just want to throw labels. I mean, for all of us, anyone listening who's going through this stuff, uh, um, I know all our stories are different, but I get in my own way, the darkest of the dark moments and feeling like, you know what, it's a mountain on top of you, the weight, yeah. uh, you know, right. The messages, the lies, I say the lies depression tells us, even though they, they seem so real right before I tried to hang myself. I, those lies were like screaming in my head. You're going to be a failure. You're not, you're not going to succeed at this either. Just wait, Jeff. You know, it's like, you're going to, you're going to find a way to screw this up too. You know, it's that inner self-talk. Yeah. And like you um, said, it's just, it beats you up. I know in hindsight now that no matter what we go through, um, and it's in hindsight, mind you. So thank God I got through and didn't make a decision again, like my brother did. Um, and I vowed never again to do that, no matter what happens, uh, because I've, I've shown myself now that, that step by step, brick by brick, we can, whether it's whatever you got to do, get yourself into the hospital or get to whoever, or call someone, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a phone line if you're struggling, anything else. I, I realize that these things are lies. You know, it's, it's depression has a way of, whether it's acute or chronic, uh, telling us lies. Frankly, that's and that's what they are. That's what I firmly believe in. Oh, absolutely. I I think you're right on with that. I mean, and I was continually telling myself what an awful father I was, what an awful husband, what an awful administrator. Why am I even in this job? Um, Yeah, the lies of depression are can be devastating. So so you you know, you kind of you talked about the challenges at college and then not getting this job that you were looking for. Were there, did you have a lot of symptoms that were starting gradually that you could have caught on to? Um, so what was that like? Yeah. In hindsight, again, um, I would have to say for sure it was, um, right around that time. Definitely the anxiety was through the roof. 
Right. Uh, and racing, it was the style of it, the brand of it, if you will, was like racing, I guess most anxiety, is just racing or intrusive thoughts that I would just like wallow in. It's like I couldn't break free from, you know, because when, as I know now, when you're in the midst of going through hell or going through, you know, challenges or, or, or really intense times, life's throwing you curves. Like when I didn't get that job or, or, you know, I, uh, I dropped out of university and then suddenly found out here was the kicker because of one of the exams I missed, I was suddenly ineligible for any further student loan funding for, for like five years, four or five years. And for me, it, I didn't come from, you know, money, so to speak. So that I thought, you know what, I was backed into a corner and with a new girlfriend and remember I'm in my thirties now with no real, like I have a, I have a high school diploma. That's it. Right. Uh, and these days, you know, you're really, you know, unless you're a hardcore entrepreneur or something else or have some other means, it's going to be tough. And even if you are, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, it, I, I just found that, uh, and fortunately I, I always had workouts, you know, I always had the gym, even if I could barely afford it, you know, I could always find a way, like, even if it was a YMCA that gave me you know, uh, pretty much a free membership or I had to ask my dad for a few bucks a month. Right. I found working out for me. And again, we all have our own, whether it's creative, whether it's whatever, going for walks, whether it's, uh, writing, drawing, whatever, you know, fill in the blank for you, whatever it is, a positive, uh, outlet right. for this stuff knowing, well, okay, I can't solve everything right now. And I feel like I'm on fire with anxiety and, and just, and that's, Whew, you know, that's sometimes when we can make really bad decisions and then everything spirals there, you know, um, fortunately I just, I had the gym or I had the rink or whatever the case was. Um, but yeah. So that was your outlet, kind of the exercise, the skating and, you know, so I want to push you a little bit harder because so far sure. I've heard you talk about the, the racing thoughts, but I can't, yes. um, and maybe that is it, but I can't imagine how, you go from so help us understand here how you go from sure. racing thoughts to one day attempting to take your own life. Yeah, you know what? It it I'll tell you actually. Uh, yeah, and I'm thinking back as I'm as I'm speaking here. So yeah, so 20, 2011, 20, Yeah, it. You know what? It was a buildup, Al. It was yeah. just a gradual buildup, and then I all I remember in a word is exhaustion. Right, and I mean I mean like. I mean, like, I'll just call it soul, exhaustion of the soul. It yeah. was like that heavy, uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Where, you know, we, I obviously no exhaustion from working out or no exhaustion from, you know, 10 years of wanting the same goal and waiting for over 10 years for one thing that I was so obsessed about. Right. Um, right. You know, so I know, and that was exhausting at times and I didn't know how I'd make it through that. Mm -hmm. But, but this was a whole other level. It was yeah. like, yeah. I, it, maybe, you know what, maybe in hindsight, maybe it was just, it was like my time had come right. in, in essence, you know, to where, okay, now you got to face it. You've been able to stave it off this long, yeah. but now it's going to bring it to your knees. You right. know, I guess right. uh, if I could use that expression. Were you able to, were you able to sleep at that point or were those racing thoughts keeping you up at night? It was tough. It was tough at times because I'll tell you, I went from, uh, I went from like day laborer job to job to job to job. And I was the type in my mind. And, and this is something I, 
I look back on my younger self and I feel a lot for, I was often called lazy. Like someone would say, for example, you know what, Jeff, you just, you don't want to take those hardworking jobs. You just want to take the kind of job you want, you know, that you're, you're so driven to get, you know, but what about the jobs you need to pay the bills in the meantime or whatever, you know, my dad would say, or, you know, and I'm a grown man hearing this. So I feel like crap about myself, of course, right. you know, my identity and ironically out. On the flip side, like along with feeling like crap, I always knew I was so determined. I always had big goals yeah. or like not, not, I mean, yeah, dreams. They weren't all grandiose, you know, as you might hear, or, you know, of course I wanted to play in the NHL and, right. and uh, you know, like a lot of kids from Minnesota too, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Etc. but, or whatever, you know, I had those goals and, but I always was a, a quote unquote dreamer. But it, it, but it was in a way, and I, and I am now, frankly, in in doing. I want, I'm on a mission to reach millions. I say, and I get that some people think, well, holy ego. But if, you know what? If I wasn't doing this, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. It's not ego at all. It's I. This is how I'm wired. Um, and and it's it's be, it's because I want everyone. Like I feel this. Maybe it's this need to with not having kids of my own, my, my wife and I, um, we decided not to because we've got our own stuff to work through. Right. Uh, and that's just for us, but maybe it's like, you know, I want to try to leave a legacy in a different way. And again, with my brother, you know, and in my own stuff, uh, the, the, I'll finish with this. The kicker was in, in 2013 now, um, you know, after, again, it was a lot of like from 2011 to 2013, it was a lot of, my wife supporting us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, which obviously as a man, you know, Oh my God, you know, I can, <laughs> that really makes you feel good as a man, of course. Right. But uh, 2013 January, I committed myself because I was having, um, uh, like, uh, suicidal thoughts were coming back up to the point where I was researching again, how to end my life. Um, so I committed myself, my wife and I signed the papers, uh, but here, here's the point I want to make in, in the unit. And here's the kicker too. my brother before he died was in that same unit. So my, yeah, as a quick caveat, yeah, quick extra point. Um, he showed me the room my brother had been in, but right after that, uh, we were in, in, in a lot of hospitals and psychiatric wards, they have, at least from my knowledge, and, and work experience as well. They have group sessions, group therapy with all the patients yeah. where, you know, basic stuff, um, you know, to, to help, you know, people just get the, the simplest of things from starting over fresh, you know, how to, how to take care of oneself hygiene wise to clothing to the basics. So people feel they don't feel so overwhelmed, maybe depending on their challenges. But in that, in those groups, Oh, my, my spark, uh, like something lit up. And I just, I thank God for that. And that again speaks to like why I'm also building an online audience and on a, you know, starting to speak publicly now and, and just be my own, what I call force for good in my own way to yeah. help inspire others to do it like you are and many other folks. Cause enough of this, you know, I want to swear, but I want enough of this crap. It's time when, you know what I mean? There's the pit bull in me, but yeah. the point is that, that, that flame was reignited in that unit where I thought, you know what, maybe I go back to school somehow and go for uh, a master of social work, which sounded lofty, but I thought, well, I've got this passion and I, I found myself actually wanting to inspire the patients around me, even though I was one of them. 
Right, right. <clears throat> Which sounds maybe hypocritical or whatever, <laughs> but the, but the fire it spoke it, it like it it yelled within me, right? So I thought, okay, maybe I maybe it's time I let go of that whole armored cargo. Yeah. You know, which I had held on for so damn long. And my right. dad said, you know, you're meant to do other things and maybe you'll find you'll get so bored with that job, ironically, if you were given that job. You know, I know I know you, Jeff, and you can do so many different things, not putting that job down or anyone who does that, obviously, because it's very important. But um, I've always had that deeper, you know, almost like a wannabe psychologist yeah. or something, I'll call it, um, which cared. Like I've got I've got that in me. But I just had to find my own way of doing it. Right. And this is where, again, when I tell people it's not a pretty story and I'm not going to give you a cookie cutter pretty, you know, it's I, I don't have a perfect answer for you. Like if people ask, I get a lot of people that are suicidal that message me, let's say, on Twitter. Uh, or maybe not a lot, but a bunch. You know, and a bunch is obviously one is too many, right? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I'm sure you know, of course, all you can do is – offer your truth and uh and i think you know that kind of stuff resonates with people at least they'll know well hey here's a guy or, or girl or human being who's lived it here's someone who's shown they someone who got through it and is still dealing uh you know i have days and moments but um getting back to that 2013 point that was the catalyst that was the moment i did a blog post recently called from the psych ward to a book deal and that's oh, that's awesome in four years, yeah, and it's again none of its ego. It's like, look, I want you all to see it. I think it's like me trying to make up for all my mistakes, right? You know, and, and well, it's, it's a great sense of accomplishment, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. phenomenal, and it is something to be proud of. Um, but I want to take you back a little bit though, because you continue to jump ahead and skip over some critical oh, yeah, pieces here. No, not not a problem at all. But I'm really curious, and I bet our listeners are too. So, sure. what was 2011? After that suicide attempt to 2013, when you decided to check yourself in um, right. for uh, rehab, what what were those years like? And were those a deep, dark depression or were you just getting by? And um, mm -hmm. and then how did you make that decision to, to finally check yourself in? Yeah, thanks for keeping me on point there. And by all means, don't <laughs> no hesitate. As always, yeah, because I just get going. <laughs> the freight train goes. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so 2011, you nailed it. Getting by really uh, sums it up. Taking different jobs, you know, I finally, I had a pardon, so at least I could get security guard jobs, which, you know, for me at the time made me feel better about myself, even though they paid horribly. At least it was a job, you know, yeah. at least some pride. Right. right? At least I, you know, cleared my name and, and was starting to feel better about myself. But from there, Al, it's like, okay, these jobs are dead end. A yeah. lot of them, at least in my experience and in my in my mind at that time, I didn't see any growth potential. And and that obviously we could have a, almost another show about this. I know my dad said, Jeff, your expectations are always high of yourself, high, high. But I, you know, what I didn't learn was patience. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad I had I didn't settle uh, personal. And again, I only speak for myself. I'm glad I didn't settle for jobs, just settle because of good pay. If I was miserable in the job, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm hardwired much differently and it's just, it is what it is. Sometimes I wish I was just like, you know, much easier, calmer, uh, you know, more, uh, steady Eddie. I'll use right, that right. I sometimes wish it would have been a much different life, but, yeah. but then again, you know, um, 
you know, I'm ultimately, no, I'm glad I am the way I am, even though it's been a harder road. Right. But yeah, during again, 2011 to 2013, as you were asking again, it, uh, yeah, I was just getting by and my wife, again, I was really putting our, um, we were married actually just ironically just before my suicide attempt, which sounds horrible to say, uh, and, and does not reflect on my wife at all, except that, you know what, I was feeling more and more ashamed of myself. Right. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it was just getting by doing security jobs. Did you have symptoms of depression that you were living through, like not being able to sleep or crying bouts or any of the typical depression symptoms that you hear about? I'm, you know what, here's the, here's the thing. I think a, a fair bunch of that. I've not, I don't want to say blacked out. Right. Right. But it was a very traumatic period. So as I, as I think back, I know I had the heavy guilt and shame. Those are two huge words. Yeah. Right. But as far as that, the, the, the crying and stuff, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember specific instances. They don't stand out, yeah. but I'll tell you, it was a general feeling of feeling like crap. Did you have some more of the anger that you talked about earlier? Because I know with men, uh, anger is a pretty common symptom of depression. Oh, yeah, that's a great point, too. I've heard that as well. Uh, there there were moments, again, nothing like we had a relationship moments where anger would come out. And, it, you know, because of what was going on, it was obviously putting huge stress on our, our marriage. Uh, but, yeah, nothing's and there may have been. But I, I don't know if I've blacked some of it out or what the case, but it, maybe there wasn't. I think it was just more of a general sense of, you know, yeah, there, there were some sleepless nights for sure, um, you know, cold sweats and that kind of thing. And I'll tell you this now that I'm thinking back, anything that jumps up, right, I'm, I'm going to mention it, anything that just comes up out of, the, out of, the, uh, out of my memories. Yeah, and one of yeah, them is absolutely. just waking up to each day. And it's like, oh, God, that feeling of dread. Like, on one hand, I'm so driven. I'm going to finally find my way and, you know, and, of course, make my wife proud and make myself proud. It should, I guess, maybe be in the opposite order but or, or not. But, um, you know, start with yourself and then you know, get yourself in order. And then, But, uh, of course, I was focused on her because it was so stressed. And, right. you know what I mean? Like, oh, just it was all jumbled in my head. And, and yeah, going through, you know, meeting with therapists, here and there for sure. Um, I'm just thinking of the place. Were you taking any medication at the time? Yeah. Uh, I started. Yeah. That would have been yeah. Throughout that period, there were definitely antidepressants. I was on, I tried a number of them. Yeah. Um, one of which in hindsight, one of which helped temporarily, uh, others that made me feel foggy and weird, right? Like, you know, as some people will know out there, I'm sure, yeah. They make you not quite yourself, like you're a frame off or right, I don't know, right. just a weird feeling or, you know, I get the odd, like maybe I was tapering off of one and I would always do it with doctor supervision, fortunately, yeah. Yeah. but getting like those brain snaps, they'd call it, or like some of the side effects you might experience or, or, you know what, sexual dysfunction. That was a huge one. Uh, and I'm not, again, nothing's off limits there. I, I wasn't able to function. Right. Um, right. Which, as you can imagine, as a man, yeah, would that even increase, and to use a fancy word, would that exasperate the, the anger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And and as a newly married man, especially. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, and I take it out in the gym. You right. Because, you know, where do you do that? Well, I take it out in the gym, and, and I, 
yeah, my workouts, um, you know, working out back in the day, I was kicked out of a couple gyms and, and, you know, I was that guy pretty much, I, I say that guy, right. Or that person like training and grunting too loud and lifting. And I don't say it in pride. Right, you know, right. I mean, way back, you know, doing using 120 pound dumbbells when I was 18 for shoulder presses and right. other things, and like you know, the whole man. And I, I can only think, thank God, I didn't injure myself worse, and you know, I had blood vessels busted at times and other. Um, man, the, the the price that rage and anger can cost us, uh, let alone in suicide. Yeah. Because if we're afraid to speak up, or we just not even that, not afraid, we just you know, we're not supported or whatever, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, if we can annihilate that, if we can, and you'll hear some of, some of the language I use sounds very angry, right. I think, or very intense. And that's just, again, how maybe that's remnants or part of how I'm wired. But I would love to, I say like smash through the stigma, smash through. And again, I, I don't mean to get off track, but it just, uh, it's like that whole, I call it as, as again, the summit will sound cheesy, but it's like a rocky story. Right. right? And, and we all have the ability to have our own, even if you don't like Rocky, whatever the case, we all, the underdog story, you know, I live for that. It's like, and now I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, you're, my wife says, well, now you're successful, Jeff, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing well, right. You know, and somewhat successful in building. And I'm like, well, what's the next fight? Right, <laughs> you know, right, it's like, it's right. so hard wired, right? Oh, I think you got a lot going on now. Uh, <laughs> Hey, so tell us, um, eventually you said it was the suicidal thoughts that got you to decide on your own, it sounds like, to go and check yourself in, which is exactly what I did too, and for the same reason. Oh, wow. um, were you inpatient then, or was it a partial hospitalization program? What was it like? Yeah, mine was, it ended up being, uh, I don't know about yours, but mine was, I think it was 12 days on a form, they call them. I forget what, what in Canada and Ontario, what number, like a form something, there was a number. But so yeah, you just, yeah, yeah. 12 days, did you go home at night or were you there, you slept there? No, no, slept there. Okay. It was completely under supervision. Yeah, so uh, we would call it inpatient. Yeah. Inpatient. That's right. And you had therapy and you had different sessions with occupational therapists, maybe, or social workers. Totally. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Similar to you, was it? Uh, mine Funding. was actually a partial hospitalization program. So mine was three weeks oh. and I would go from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then I would go back home. Um, oh, wow. But it was three weeks yeah. and it was it was intense and it gave me structure and pieces I needed. Um, and like you talked about the therapy group, um, which was really, really helpful as well. Yeah. Did you find that too? It, like just even the simple act, I don't call, I don't mean to call it simple, but of connecting with others yeah, through yeah. that same thing. Funny how profound that can be. Yeah. I'm a right? huge supporter of support <laughs> groups. And in fact, I mm. talk a bit and some of the listeners may have already heard. I talk a bit about trying to narrow the focus of that group as much as possible. So like in my therapy group, it was super beneficial and I loved it. But I was also, you know, in my group was a 22 year old bipolar woman or a 70 year old woman who mm. had just got kicked out of her apartment. Some people that I couldn't really relate to. Whereas now I continue to go to a men's support group for depression and anxiety. And it's amazing because all of us either are going through or have been through depression and anxiety, and it's just like an instant trust. And these right. guys share about anything and everything, and we give each other ideas and suggestions. And, you know, it's it's really an amazing group. Um, oh, man. So it's been that, that's been hugely powerful for me. 
Yeah, and you know what? Thank you. As you're saying that, thank you for mentioning that and, and telling us about that, about your experience, because that's something I'm sure that would. That's where again that that even though it's more of a general, obviously, group in the in the unit, that's where my fire was reignited, right. uh, my passion. So yeah, I guess I owe a ton to to groups like that. Yeah. Uh, and I I must never forget. You know, note to self because I work a lot mainly alone. Or with my wife, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I need to always remember, and and maybe this is a, uh, a I don't know, if lessons the word, a reminder for our listeners that no matter how quote unquote successful someone is, or whatever the perception, whatever it looks like, we all, you know, never forget that help is there. You know, if we suddenly have a, a curve or or a tragedy or you know anything happens around us. Um, that's another huge aspect and that's something I haven't been to a group since, Yeah, uh, admittedly. So thank you for, you know, yeah, I think it's important all. to always reach out. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what mm-hmm. I hear you saying. Like, don't forget that there, there is help out there, whether it is through a therapist, a psychiatrist, a support group. There are so many different ways, the gym for you, right? The ice rink, getting the exercise, some of those other tools. Mm-hmm. So, so I hear you saying the, the 12 day inpatient really helped you um, kind of start on the path of recovery and ignite this new mm-hmm. passion for you to support others. It did. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, as you're saying that I'm, I was deeply touched. I, it just hit me out uh, in the unit. There was, there was one particular male nurse. It's funny, like, you know, it seems random, but it's not. You know the people that the, the 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 memories we take from it maybe or the, or the moments that impact us or we remember. There was a male nurse and I I tried through the hospital to find out who he is because I want to personally bring him a copy of the book as a some sort of gesture and shake his hand because when I was in there and feeling I had this feeling Alan I haven't had to put it into words until now of. I wanted to tell him and everyone else, you know what? You don't have to worry about me. I'm the most driven guy. Like, I don't mean, uh, you know, above anyone. I just mean, I'm, I'm a very driven person is the, is what I mean by that. I'm the, that type. But of course, well, they would say, well, yeah, we, we get that, but you're in here for a reason. But, but my point is I felt, I suddenly had a feeling of not pity toward myself, but like, okay, it's time for me. And, 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 and let me say, um, I know I need help and I know, um, that help is going to benefit me as long as I'm open to it. That's, you know, I'm going to get as much out of it as I put in. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I had this huge feeling of like fresh hope and, and also almost like what I'll call self parenting. And I use that term sometimes like, okay, it's time for you, Jeff. It's like something came over me time for me to put on my big boy pants, if you will. And maybe that's not the best term to use, but, uh, it's time for me to step up to what I know I can do. Um, because now I know, okay, there's help. There's help out there. I was panicked. You know, the things that led me to again, feeling suicidal were the isolation, right? It was, even though my wife was there, my wife, she shouldn't have to be my therapist. You know, I mean, yeah, they're there to listen, your, 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 your loved ones, but it can, she was a caregiver. It can get to be too much on them as well. Right. That's a- sure. Admittedly. Right. And, and that's why she's my rock. Like, and I, I, in a, any talk, I do anything else. I'm, I mention her <laughs> to everyone, you know, and, and, uh, just, I'm still in awe. 
still just like, oh my God, did I actually make it? And did I find this woman, you know, in a healthy relationship, right? After all the past stuff I mentioned. But but yeah, getting back to the point, you know, in the in the unit, having others care for you, even though it's their job, yeah. you could really you could separate, and I'm sure you could make I'm guessing, you could tell the nurses and the others who were meant to do that job and those who may be a little burnt out or those who maybe don't have the soft skills, maybe mean well, of course. Right, right. But you, you could, t- of course, right? Yeah, gets absolutely, into that. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was thinking you first, I have a couple thoughts I wanted to bring up. First, mm. you, sh- you should bring that nurse that book because I think the mm-hmm. nurse, that would be so cool for the nurse to get that book from you. And so, and you would feel amazing, I'm sure, handing that book to say, hey, I, I wanted to share this with you and, and thank you for taking care of me type of thing. Um, the other thing that comes to mind, you know, some of the, the ways you describe yourself make me think of some ways that I, um, some almost characteristics that I think sometimes make people, um, more susceptible to depression almost like Mm. you, you have super high goals. You are super driven. Right. Right, And then, and then it's easy to beat yourself up if you don't do it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you had the goal of being the security guard. You didn't get it. No big deal. Right. But, but instead you you beat yourself up and I do that all the time too. But sometimes I wonder if, um, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying you shouldn't set high goals. You just got to make sure they're attainable. Right. And then in addition to that, um, like I think a perfectionist, I think a lot of people, this is just my own take on it. I feel a lot of people who are perfectionists are the type who are really tough on themselves when they don't meet Mm -hmm. that perfectionist standard and then are susceptible to depression. And, And I never really thought of myself as a perfectionist, but I certainly see areas in my life where I am. Yeah, you know that, and that's huge. That's that's uh, as we know. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's massive. And I part there, there are a couple of things I haven't mentioned yet. Um, in which takes me actually to 2014, for the first time, with what you just said, uh, for the first time, I heard the term compassion-focused therapy. Okay. Uh, and and, and the, also the term self-compassion. Yes, and self-care and, and self-compassion, absolutely. Oh yeah, and it uh, it clicked. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally that that way as well, right? The drive, everything else, the expectations, but uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we could do what you know, ten shows on this. <laughs> God knows <laughs> with everybody right, out right. there, right? I think of uh, yeah, people like Brene Brown that talk about shame and yes. guilt. And, yeah. All this other, oh my God, yeah, how toxic it can be in yeah. health, stress, cortisol. Yeah. Oh yeah, you nailed it. Absolutely. Hey, so let's jump forward and tell us now about some of this incredible advocacy work you do. Tell us about your book. I know I watched some of your YouTube videos. Like you said, you're intense, but man, it's great stuff. Great stuff, the YouTube videos. Um, I know you have over a million uh, followers on Twitter. That's incredible. Yeah, it took a long time to build. Uh, yeah, it's been, again, since, what has it been, the fall of 2013, I started speaking out. Uh, Twitter was the one I, I, I originally heard a statement, you know, instead of trying to do, like, go out on every social media channel and, and, and build it and nail it, just do one thing really well, at least to the best of your ability, right? right. So I thought, okay, Twitter's it for me. I'm going to follow people that follow mental health organizations and see who follows back and then rinse repeat day in and day out. A lot of, 
just day in and day out engaging with people as I do now through DMs, through responses, through, um, you know, maybe six or seven months ago, I applied to get verified, which was nice and was accepted. That's how I got verified. And I, I can't. I can't tell you how many people reach out though, you know, can you get me verified or can you do this or can you push my product or can you share my, you know, that's one sort of drawback. Can you share my Kickstarter or my GoFundMe? And, and I don't know what's a scam. I don't know yeah. what it's in. So that's one, but not to focus on that. Right. Uh, that's right. just part, part and parcel. But yeah, the, the gist of it is I, I guess I'm part like to put it really crudely. Part of me is like uh, a Tony Robbins type. Definitely. Uh, mixed in with a little bit of Wayne Dyer for anyone who knows these folks, um, you know, a spiritual side with a very driven side, but also with a mental health and it's all mental health. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like with a mental health advocacy side. Um, so I've got different like this, even this book beyond ADHD is just the first of, and it's such a niche thing, even though it's such a big topic right. for me, it's, I want to go, you know, obviously you know, when you want to get book deals and stuff, it's not good to go too mainstream. Um, but as I found out, you know, you need to have your own, you know, you need to differentiate yourself. Like why would your book, you know, why is it, uh, uh, worthy of, you know, getting a deal and having people buy it versus all the other books out about this subject sort of thing. So that's been a interesting thing, but I definitely look to, um, I'm going to look to delve into more general, you know, whether it's in mental health, I don't know yet about the next book. Um, I'm definitely writing a memoir now on the, uh, you know, on the side, so to speak for down the road. Great. Um, but yeah, it's, so now it's advocating for, again, you know, definitely mental health. I'm, I talk about misdiagnosis. Yes, because it's very concerning. It's very dangerous. Just like, just like underdiagnosing is, yeah. Um, you know, if you've got a bipolar child who's on Adderall, my God, you know, some of the, in the addiction, the addiction potential and other things. Or, right. Right. And that's just, I know it's just one example or, if, or if you have, you know, fill in the blank, so many other, again, I was on everything from lithium to Latuta to Wellbutrin to Ciprolex to lots of others. And, uh, you know, potentially dangerous ramifications. So I talk, uh, I talk a lot about, you know, everything from empowerment to maybe not buying into a diagnosis in some cases. And what I mean by that is in a, in a detrimental way, right? You know, maybe, right. maybe not. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you have greatness within that despite all your past or all the challenges or the self-talk or the reasons why you feel like shit, excuse my language, it's no only there, but no, you know, like despite all that crap, maybe there's still greatness within because that's what I've done. And then, I mean, in, again, not ego, but I've right. risen when I found areas that I'm good at and I'm going all in on them, you know, and, and, uh, uh, while maintaining some semblance of balance, you know, with the workouts and other things and, you know, and maybe other people can do that too. Oh, no. Yeah. And, yep. uh, yeah. When so, did you, when did you start getting into the YouTube videos and, and what was your, uh, oh, impetus yeah. for that? You know, that was, I haven't done those in a while, actually. That, um, that was probably around, I'm going to guess around 2014. Um, again, I'm guessing, but yeah, I, I got into it around then. And I, uh, that's a pretty interesting point too, because because of a panic attack I had, 
Um, I had had a blog called the Adult ADHD Blog just after I was, well, 2013, I should say, um, that I had started. That's when I started speaking out. And, uh, you know, I thought I was correctly diagnosed at the time. And regardless, I, I you know, I deal with a lot of the symptoms. But um, about I had about nine or ten months of posts there, Al. And after a panic attack, and you talk about self-sabotage and perfectionism, I deleted the entire blog in a moment. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of the – that's a classic story. Yeah. Which, you know, so to speak, that I that I recount sometimes in interviews and stuff because it's a great example of, you know, and I built a fairly decent viewership, uh, you know, nothing massive by any means, but I mean, I built it organically. And my wife, my wife uh, comes from, you know, a couple decades of search engine optimization experience and, and all that stuff. So, I you know, I knew how to get the blog ranked and all those things. But yeah, in in <laughs> In one, and I laugh about it now, but at the time it was heartbreaking. And again, you know, oh, here's another thing I've screwed up. And you that know? was essentially due to your panic attack and the, you then all of a sudden kind of yeah. freaking out like, oh, my God, my stuff is out there in the world and wanting to, to take it all back, essentially. Yeah, and I and I don't, admittedly, I don't remember the exact reason why I did it. Like, I remember that obviously it was a panic attack. I don't remember the exact, you know, uh self-talk going on at the time, the thought process yeah. that was in my head, of course, right at that time. But I know that I was struggling even then. We lived across the country. We lived in Calgary, Canada, if you've heard of it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah awesome city. But uh, we moved out there. She had a new job. It was like an adventure. <clears throat> uh, but I, I was struggling out there, too. And I ended up even going to see a, <clears throat> a, a special, or not a specialist, but a, um, a, a clinic. Uh, yeah, therapist, and also even going into a into the uh, the medical clinic to talk to someone right. uh, because I was still I was starting to spiral again. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you describe a panic attack to the listeners? Like, what is well, what is the feeling of that? What are you going through? What what's your mind and body sensations? Yeah, for me, I guess, I, and I I know. I can't speak for everyone, but I know we've seen them. I've seen them on TV, you know, where people are breathing heavy or they can't breathe and they're like shaking maybe or that sort of stereotypical thing. <clears throat> for me, it was a little more, I guess, in a word, uh, again, a bit of a fancy word, if you will. I, I'm not a big fan of them. I just like to keep things easy to understand, at least for me anyway. But insidious is the word. Like it gradually crept in and took over. It was, it was thoughts in my head, even though I'm going about my day-to-day -day actions, you know, and my wife going off to work, um, you know, I for a while was unemployed out west there uh, looking for jobs. And, you know, it was like it was plentiful. You know, if I wanted to go work in the oil rigs, I could have done that. But, no, I wanted to be around my wife and, and uh, maybe get into security work. And I eventually did get in, and that's where I, that's where I was doing the, uh, the, um, the mental health security job. Oh, for, right which was very powerful, but a whole other story there into the psychiatric system and mental hospitals and, and that kind of thing, um, mental health facilities. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was insidious. And I say that because it, like, it, it was gradual. It wasn't like some, it, though it resulted in one of those panic attacks, yes, in front of a computer, like, uh, it, it, that's not the true, like there was a lot more to it is what I'm saying, the, the lead up, the build in, uh, it, it was something where, again, the thoughts just start racing 
And for some reason, it's like there were no breaks on those thoughts. Okay, other, right. Other times I could distract myself or go for a workout or whatever else, but this one caught me. For whatever reason, at a moment where I couldn't defend myself, it felt like, or I, I just, I just gave into it. You know, I couldn't stop it. It felt like I just, I, I didn't have what it took in this case, or I, whether it was by choice or whatever, right, to distract myself and go do something else. I just kept wallowing, like ruminating thoughts, you know, of worry, of, um, you know, all that stuff in the back of my head, like, you know, you're a failure. Your wife's at work. What are you doing sitting here? Right. You know the big one. The big one, Al, was again expectations. And is is this blog going to amount to anything? Am I going to somehow maybe be able to get uh, advertising money out of it or something to help, you know, put food on the table or anything? And then the, you know that would put pressure. And it was like a vicious cycle of expectation. Um, meanwhile, I'm applying for jobs I hate, frankly. Right, right. Not not to sound lazy, you know, but my mind would race on those jobs. And I'd end up walking out or quitting because my mind, I was having such bad panic attacks, feeling like a failure, seeing that the job was there, you know, there was no hope in it for me. There was no future beyond a a menial wage. I'm like, I've got to find another way, which is why I started blogging. So, Uh but, but yeah, that one crashed that, 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 that goal, that, that, um, you know, that, adventure that experiment with a blog and trying to build one to being very successful that crashed yeah (laughs) as you can see so that's pretty much it well you probably still got a lot out of it right i mean it was a lot of writing and now you're a published author yeah i did in hindsight yeah and that's a great growth mindset to use that term that's a great uh, way to look at it yeah what did i learn from it what are the good things that came from it that helped me into what i'm you know doing now and in blogging again and other stuff yeah yeah. I, you know, in hindsight, yeah, that's what I was, I found something I was good at in expressing myself in my own way. And, and, and holy cow, I'll finish with this. Holy cow, this resonates with folks. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Not everyone will love the intensity or whatever, but as I always say, like with you or anyone doing their own thing, don't worry about trying to please everybody. That's a whole other yeah. massive thing, right? As it's you know. just not going to work, right? You cannot please everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I get trolls, man. I get people. I hit the block button probably a few times a day, or you know, I just I get people that are you know obviously in you know in a very different place, and again, not judging. I was young once, or I was a goofing around, or right. or who knows whatever reason. I don't have time for any of that. I just focus on those who do get the message, those who I can help, or those who appreciate what I'm doing somehow. And then I you know, and I learn from them too. Yeah. So yeah, just focus on your tribe, right? Yeah. Build it and that's that. Absolutely. Hey, your book was just published in 2016. Is that right? You know what? It, it actually officially just came out in September. Oh my um, goodness. Okay. I, I signed the deal in 2016. Actually, I think it was okay. like June, May, May or June. Yeah. But yeah so it, just it, a month ago. It took forever, and it does. Yeah, with traditional publishing, it takes. It took it took about a year. And, Con- well, congratulations. Um, it's called Beyond ADHD, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. And how would you, like, can you sum up uh, for the listeners what the book, yeah, what the, the book ju- is about? Sure. The, the gist of it is is that it, I take you on my diagnosing journey and also, you know, the struggles of the past. And I mentioned, like, the armored cargo and, and uh, some of the battles with that and, and the feelings and the struggles. 
But what, what it opens up into, Al, is I've got experts, again, because I have built this audience. I, had, I was fortunate enough to have experts uh, from various fields, doctors, psychiatrists, uh, nutrition experts, Harvard-educated Harvard folks to uh, neuroscience. Um, so what we all do together, experts in trauma and PTSD, uh, in education, gifted education, et cetera, nutrition, I already mentioned, uh, vision therapy, concussions, and more. We all take it, we basically put ADHD, the diagnosis, the understanding under a microscope, uh, pharmaceutical companies. We also address them. So this is a very bold, it's definitely a bold book. And those who read it or, or know of it know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, and it, we had to call out all sorts of different pieces to this puzzle. So we look at why, in essence, why uh, the rates of diagnoses have, have gone so high, why these symptoms are, are, are permeating society more and more, um, reasons for them, things people need to be aware of, and for parents, for educators, uh, for people, like it, this spans you know, from childhood to adulthood, which is great. I didn't just want it to be a book about adults with ADHD. I wanted it to cover everything. Um, so what it does is it, it arms people with the knowledge of what to watch out for, other things it could be, but also ultimately we look at, again, the terms beyond ADHD, like what are ways that we can have a society where through, I call it 360 degree thinkers, uh, as we, you know, naturally are as human beings, we're not meant to sit for eight hours. And <laughs> for instance, children these days, the average attention span is eight seconds for God's right, sake. Right. We expect kids to sit there in these linear, and I know it's not that bad. I don't, I don't want to bash education. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a very, non, I'm a non-linear learner. Right. And I know a lot of, and with all due respect to linear learners, I think a lot of the most creative minds out there maybe don't fit into this little box of how we should educate. Um, and, uh, and I know educators go into it, you know, some of the most amazing, uh, you know, people with the biggest hearts, right. But the resources and the system and schools making more, you know, getting paid based on how many, uh, you know, diagnoses they have and other controversial things we also look at. So I know that's, that's a really long winded. Oh, it sounds like an incredibly informative oh. book that would be beneficial. Like you mentioned, I mean, from doctors to parents, to educators, um, just the whole gamut. Yeah. And even, I guess the, the plea, like ultimately, you know, regardless, I know, and I, and I've got to say this for the record, if I may, I know that it's not a perfect system. I know that parents are just trying to keep food on the table, trying to keep, you know what I mean? They're trying yeah. to keep their sanity. So I get that. I get that they, you know, a child who's diagnosed in 15 minutes or, or in one visit or two visits. Uh, and I've heard so many of these stories or, or adults who are diagnosed quickly and put on medication. I think over 90% only receive meds for ADHD in the U S which again is infuriating to right, me, right. and we don't make other resources also available. It's it, it's a no brainer to me, but I yeah. get that the system is one that's challenging to say the least. Right. So I hear you, folks. You know, I get it. Um, I'm just saying, keep digging deeper, and everyone has my support, and we we all benefit when we dig deeper, right? Um, to whatever degree that we can, I think. Um, and ultimately, I don't want anyone to buy into a label as they are less. 
or their, I don't even like the term disability. I understand what, you know, we're trying to do, but I, I just, you know, and, and I don't have a better way right now. I do. We talk about a better vision, but there isn't a perfect answer right now, but at least, you know, I think we all have abilities. We all have, whether you call them gifts, we all have strengths. We need to go all in on those and allow, you know, there, there's a lot more to it. Right. Right. So again, the, the book is titled beyond ADHD. Um, what would be the best way for listeners to find your book? I would say Amazon, the central spot is Amazon and, and you can, uh, you can grab it in, um, people can also, uh, you know, get there through my website, but amazon.com. Okay. So amazon.com. And then can you share with our listeners your website as well? Sure. Yeah. It's Jeff Emerson.com. I'll just spell it real quick. Cause it's a little different. It's J E F F, but then E M M E R S O N. So two M's and Emerson.com. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. I'll make sure that's in the notes as well. Okay. And yeah. if uh, I want to say it's also the books available in audio, digital and hardcover format. So okay. oh, fantastic. I, and I all of I, those are available off your website or Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, they're all available right okay. there. Okay, well. fantastic. Yeah. Hey, um, any uh, any final kind of uh, suggestions, advice, words of hope to our listeners who may be uh, struggling at this moment? Uh, I, You know what? This is where I'll open up from the heart. Um, I care, even though you don't know me from anybody. Uh, I just I want people to know that you know, having been there myself and yeah, every story is different and I don't know what each listener is going through. Obviously <clears throat> I promise all of you that when you don't give up, uh, and when as simple as this will sound or cliche, it's so true in hindsight, uh, through my own lived proof, uh, when you don't give up and you just, you keep going and you know what you, like I did, if you have to wave the white flag, so to speak, like my wife said, and get help, even if it's the 300th time and you're exhausted and you feel like maybe you've had a bad experience with a therapist or in a mental health unit or anything else, just, you know, like I always try to say the perfect thing in moments like this, Al, but then I realized there isn't. All I can do is come from the heart. Um, as, as someone who's gone through this and lost someone to suicide and attempted myself and dealt with this stuff, I want you to know you're not alone. And damn it, we're going to continue to push through this as men, women, human beings, uh, no matter where you're from, what race, what beliefs, anything else. We all have greatness within us. We all have abilities. Uh, and yeah, you have support in me. You have a foot soldier over here support. And that, I, like, if I never get paid from this again, man, I'm already rich because of that. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your uh, final words of wisdom. Really appreciate it. And really appreciate you spending time uh, on the Depression Files. Thank you for having me, Al. Uh, I appreciate your patience and your time very much. And uh, thank you for everyone who's listening, tuning in. And uh, yeah, just know you're not alone. And if, uh, if anyone wants to reach out or anything else, they know where to find us. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for your time, Jeff. Thank you for your advocacy and the incredible work you do and make sure you stay healthy. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org 
for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files. <laughs>